Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022. It is currently 9.56 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And I hope that what we are about to do is going to prove to be extremely beneficial for your spiritual life and extremely beneficial for mine, all right? And I, and I, and I hope that what we're about to discuss, I, I hope that will become a very important theme for you to think about for the rest of the month of January, all right? Because we, we've talked about this a brief, I won't even say briefly. We've talked about this a number of times in January, and I feel that we haven't done enough with this. I feel like we haven't discussed this enough, so I'm going to turn back to it at least one more time. This may turn into maybe maybe there'll be two or three other programs in regards to this subject. I'm going to approach this more as a devotional thought, and then we'll kind of flesh it out, and I I really hope you'll give this some serious thought because um, I think I think this is an important spiritual issue, and I think it's probably something that we we definitely need to be challenged to look at ourselves in regards to, and maybe we need we need a a healthy dose of conviction. Maybe we need to be even more convicted about this. All right, so so are you ready? Okay, let me let me remind you last week. For our Bible study exercise, we studied the book of Obadiah. We looked at it from so many different perspectives. We looked at it kind of like just trying to work through it, you know, uh, verse by verse. We took a concept like the day of the Lord, took a little detour, looked at that. I mean, we looked at, we did an overview of the book. We, We dealt with timing, history, eschatology, so many issues we looked at. But there was one issue that got a lot of discussion in the last two broadcasts. We probably, we, and in some ways, we could have made it the issue for the entire week of study. But, and, and in some ways, I kind of wish I would have made it the, the focus for the week. But at the same time, there was just so much to look at in the book of Obadiah. There was no way just to say, okay, for this week, we're going to just take the book of Obadiah and look at this one particular idea because I think there's a lot of a lot of people didn't know much about the book of Obadiah. So we needed to work on just letting people understand, you know, the history, the context, and just trying to work through some of those issues. So in some ways, we could not look at this subject, but we have time now. So if you have the ability, if you have a Bible, Obadiah, of course, there's not really chapters, but Obadiah, we'll call it chapter one. And I want to look at a phrase. Obadiah verse 3 or Obadiah chapter 1 verse 3, however you want to reference it. This phrase I have written down now in a number of, of journals, and I just keep thinking about it, thinking about it, and thinking about it, and now I want you to think about it. Here is the phrase. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. 
Now, this is specifically in its historical context, speaking of Edom. The book of Obadiah is God's words of judgment against Edom. Now, we we believe it it goes beyond just Edom, and we can get into all the the possible connections to eschatology. But we know that at least a major part of the book is God's judgment upon Edom. And they are said, and I just, just a powerful phrase, the pride of thine heart, the pride of the heart of Edom hath deceived them. It was their pride that hath deceived Edom. And in what way were they deceived? Well, just, just look at this. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the cleft of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? Edom, because of the deception of pride, felt like that they were indestructible. No one can bring us down. No one can destroy us. No one can defeat us. Nothing can, can, can take me down. We are beyond being able to be defeated. We are beyond falling. We are beyond failing. We are, we are just basically untouchable. And why they felt this way was because of pride, the deception of pride. Again, let me read to you the phrase again. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Now, I'm going to do something really quick. I didn't didn't even think about this till right now, but that's okay. Just give me one second. I am curious how all the other English translations deal with this verse, or or, or do they change it in any uh, major way, or they all emphasize this? All right, I'm going to read this from a number number of translations, all right? Here we go. Obadiah 1.3, or just Obadiah 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. New Living Translation. You have been deceived by your own pride. You have been deceived by your own pride. Now, now, I just, this is just, in other words, there's no real major argument here in the English translations. They all emphasize it. They just may emphasize it in a little different way. But the bottom line is, is pride is deceptive. So I want to ask you this morning, how has pride deceived you? Now, here's the hard part. If pride is deceptive and you've been deceived by it, well, did you even recognize that you were deceived by it? Like, I mean, it, 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 pride is deceiving you. So are you going to be the one to be able to see the fact that you have been deceived by? Did Obadiah, I mean, did the Edomites realize that they had been deceived by their own pride? Or did it require God's message through Obadiah telling them, you have been deceived? Can you detect the deception of pride in your own heart? Or does it require the word of God to hopefully expose it, to point it out, to try to show it? Does it require the words of someone else coming up to you going, hey, I I think your pride is deceiving you here. Now, after we have experienced the deception of pride and then maybe face the negative consequences as a result, then I think sometimes we can look back and go, wow, look at how deceived I was right there by my own pride. Look at how deceived... 
So I really want you to think about this morning and the rest of January. I want you to look back over your life and try to find those times where clearly you can say, man, my pride deceived me. Because if you can, if you can look back and identify the times and where it has occurred in the past, it may help you identify how it's happening in the present and may be able to help you prepare for it to not happen in the future. We've got, we've got to be able to look back and identify where it has occurred so that we can see it. Because I think currently, if it's happening right now, I think we'll be the last ones to see it. We'll be the last ones to recognize it. We'll be the last ones to notice it. Because, well, it's we're being deceived by our own pride. The, ES, the ESV says, again, quoting Obadiah verse 3 or Obadiah 1-3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. The Berean Study Bible, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Uh, the, the New American Standard Bible, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. The New American Standard 1995, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. New American Standard 1977, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. The uh, Amplified Bible, the pride and arrogance of your heart have deceived you. Christian Standard Bible, your arrogant heart has deceived you. I mean, I mean, there's, this is one of those situations where there is no dispute, there's no argument, there's no big textual variant where everyone can argue. No, this is a clear example of Edom that, that they were deceived by pride. And, and I think, and from that, it's a warning. If they were deceived by pride, how have you been deceived by pride? How have I been deceived by pride? How has your church been deceived by pride? How has your family been deceived by pride? It's something that I just really want to drive home in the month of January. This is just a, such an important theme. And I don't want us to just, well, we finished Obadiah. Let's immediately move on. And forget this, I'm going to try to remind us of this principle, not just in January. I think I'm going to try throughout the rest of the year. Hey, remember in January, remember that, remember that principle, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. I want you to not, I don't want us to just move on. I want us for this to live inside of us. I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the phrase, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. I want you to write it down, put it on your refrigerator, put it on the mirror that you look at in the morning, put it on your, the rear view mirror of your, of, of your car, of the rear view mirror in your car, or at least, or at least at the bottom of it where there's, there's the sticky. So every time you look up at the mirror, you see, you see this. I want, I want you to just constantly think about how pride has deceived you, could be deceiving you now, and the danger of it deceiving you in the future. It, it's often been said the greatest deception is self-deception because you don't, you, if, you're, if you're self-deceived, well, you, you don't even know that you're self-deceived. We, we sometimes think of the deception coming, the world tries to deceive us and the devil tries to deceive us and, 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 and people try to deceive us and false teachers try to deceive us. We're very good at pointing out the external deceptions and they by all means, should we, we, we should point them out, we should be aware of them and we should protect ourselves from them. But what about the deception that comes from inside of you 
and it's a result of pride. So I've been thinking about this, and as I've been thinking about this, I came across a, I guess we'll call this a, it's a Bible study guide, I guess is what this is. It kind of looks like kind of a devotional guide. And it's a devotional guide on the book of Proverbs. And if you hear that those notifications, that's from the Edify Christian Podcast app, giving me all of these notifications. All right. It's kind of like a devotional guide on Proverbs. It's, it's Proverbs on pride. And this is part three. So basically, it's a devotional. And this is part three of the devotional. And this particular devotional is focused on Proverbs on pride. Okay, well, that I saw that. And I'm like, okay, interesting, great. I just, I almost just immediately put it back down. I'm like, oh, oh, here's a, here's a study guide, Proverbs on pride. That would be, that would be cool if I, if I was going to do a study on pride. Now I didn't register in my head yet, right? Because wait a minute, I've been thinking about Obadiah verse three, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. But in my mind, I was focusing on the deception part, right? Hey, okay. How am I being deceived? How am I being deceived? And I, for some reason, in my mind, I just kind of stopped thinking about the pride. So when I looked at this, oh, Proverbs on pride, I should immediately go, oh, wait, wait, wait. Pride, that's the thing that deceives me. I need to focus on that. But I was, I was just so wrapped up in my own brain that I really wasn't thinking about pride at the moment until I, then they, then they have kind of a picture here of some lions, which is interesting, uh, some, some lions that are laying down. Okay, so I'm like, okay, that's, I guess it's an interesting picture. I'm like, well, is pride kind of like a, a lion? Is is it like, I'm the king of the jungle. So I'm, I'm just, you know, just kind of processing this. I'm taking you through how my thoughts were developing. And then right underneath the picture of the lions, I read these words, the deception of pride. And then I was like, oh, whoa, stop what I'm doing. Stop what I'm doing. Stop what I'm doing. I'm like, that, that, that's perfect. The deception of pride. This goes exactly with what I've been thinking about in regards to Obadiah. So immediately I'm like, okay, where, oh, here, here it is. Grab the microphone, go live on the air. Let me see how many people I can talk to in regards to this. Let's work through this and see what this Bible study guide, devotional guide has to say in regards to the deception of pride. Now, I don't even know what's in the, the study guide. I don't even know yet. I just saw that and immediately said, grab the microphone, go live immediately, right? Almost like it's breaking news. It's almost like, hey, breaking news, everyone. I just came across this Bible study guide. Let's talk about it, right? So I'm, I'm really, it's like, I just, I just invited you over. We're going we're gonna to work through this together in real time. And I like doing it that way because it's very organic it's very real. It's not all produced in a production and a performance. It's not about, hey, hey, do I have a good Bible study for everyone? It's about, no, let's, let's work through these concepts together because I think that it's more meaningful that way. I, I don't want to just sit here and just say, hey, this is what I thought of. I want us to work through these ideas being presented to us in regards to try to, and, and the goal of really getting us to stop and go, wait a minute. We need to talk about the deception of pride and how pride can deceive us. So the deception of pride, right underneath those words, they have Proverbs 14, 12. 
Proverbs 14, 12. So, so just, just stay with me here. Just, just listen carefully before we move on, before we look at this passage. And the book of Obadiah, there's no question. Edom's pride deceived them into thinking that they were untouchable. They could not fall. They could not fail. They could not be defeated. They could not be destroyed. There's no question there. Now, how that is applicable to your spiritual life, okay? I think think we we, we could definitely flesh that out a little bit more. Maybe we will do that later. I I, I already have some directions I want to go with that, but we'll we'll leave that for now. Let's see where they go. They immediately go to Proverbs because clearly this is a study guide on the Proverbs on pride. But it's just interesting. They called it the deception of, of pride because they're going to look at the subject of pride in regards to deception, which fits perfectly. So let's see what direction they're going to go. They, they go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, 12. This is an interesting verse here. I, I don't know if I would have immediately connected this to this idea, but I think it's interesting. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I, if I think back through my Christian life, I've heard this verse a thousand times. I've heard lots of sermons on Proverbs 14, 12. It would be, well, once again, I just look up at the empty sanctuary. If there was a bunch of people here in the building right now on this uh, Tuesday morning, I would ask everyone, I would stop everything and go, okay, guys, think about all of the teaching, all of the sermons, all of the devotionals that you have read in regards to Proverbs 14, 12. How have you typically heard it preached? How have you heard Proverbs 14, 12 typically applied? Now, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but for me, if I remember correctly, I've always heard Proverbs 14, 12 used almost in an evangelistic way, right? Let, let, me, let me try to explain how this has typically been presented to me. If I'm, if I'm talking to someone who is not a Christian, who's not saved. I try to explain to them that, hey, I know that right now you think that you're okay and you don't need to worry about God and you don't need to worry about heaven and you think that everything, you think that your life's going in the right direction. But let me tell you something. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You think you're going the right way, but you need to stop and consider the message of Jesus Christ. You need to change your way of thinking and you need to embrace Christ because the way that seems right to you right now is going to end in death. I've almost always heard it applied primarily. I'm not saying every single time, but primarily to lost people. So, when I first see this under the idea of pride, the deception of pride, I immediately stop and I, and I start asking myself, okay, how is this applicable to you and to me as Christians? Is it possible that we as Christians can be so deceived by our pride that we think, I'll read it, that there, that, that there's a way which seemeth right unto us. That, in other words, what, 
there's a, it, the way, the reason we think the way is right is because of our own pride. We think the way is right. Can pride deceive us into thinking that our way, our thinking, our actions, our plans is the right way when in reality it's only going to lead to death, suffering, and destruction in a spiritual sense? Can we be so deceived by our own pride that we think that our way is the right way when clearly it's not the right way? Now, I don't know where, I, I, just, I just think it's interesting that Proverbs 14, 12 gets presented here. Let, let's see what they have to say. Pride is the basis of the way that seems right to man. Pride is the basis of the way that seems right to man. The, the reason you think your way is right, the reason you think your way is right is because of pride. Now, I, this is just interesting. Just going to think about this. Within, well, 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 let's attach this first and foremost to the concept, to, to what happens within marriage. I think anyone who's been married probably has found themselves in a fight, right? In an argument. And ob- obviously when an argument is going on within a marriage, both individual, ob- individuals obviously think their way, their perspective, their thinking, their desire is right. I mean, they both well, they both think that way. That's why there's an argument. When there is a division in church, both parties think their way is right. When there is a division within the nation, right? We, we, we live in a divided nation. It's because everyone thinks their way is right. Is the primary reason we think our way is right is because of our own pride and arrogance. So when there's a, when there's a dispute, do we have to sit back and stop? Wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to stop listening to our own pride and arrogance. And we need to look at something else to determine if our way is right. Now, could our pride then deceive us into taking scripture and saying, well, see, my way is the right way because my pride is now looking at the scriptures through the lens. I'm looking at scripture through the lens of my own pride. That, that's a possibility. But pride is the basis of the way that seems right to man. King Solomon observed that pride seems like a logical path. Without the revelation of God and obedience to his direction, we can walk in rebellion with life-altering consequences. The person who walks in pride is called foolish. The wise king warns of arrogance, self, and uh, and, and basically of self-promotion and naive self-reliance. And then he gives a number, they give a number of scriptures here, or who, the author gives a number of scriptures here. I'm going to look at, we're going to look at all of them. All right, here we go. Let's go to Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs 12, 15. Oh, here we go. This, this is interesting. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. This is the same kind of concept. We, when we follow, when we are deceived by pride, in a sense, we're being foolish, and we think we think our way is right. Our our way is right in our own eyes. Everyone thinks that their way is right, and how much of that thinking our way is right is more based off pride than anything. I mean, Edom would have thought, hey, our way is right. We're doing the right thing. Edom would have thought, look, no one can touch us. We, we, we're, we're doing the right thing. But clearly, they were in the wrong, and they were judged by it. Um, Proverbs 14, 16. Proverbs 14, 16. The reason I'm looking at the journal or this study guide and then going back to my Bible it's because the scriptures quoted here, they use different translations, and I just want to, I use the King James, so I'm going to keep going back to the King James, and then I'll, if, if there's a massive difference between what they quote and what the King James says, I will point that out. But uh, Proverbs 14, 16, because you're probably thinking, well, just read what's in the study guide. Well, I could, but Proverbs 14, 16, here we go. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil but the fool rageth and is confident. So a wise man approaches a situation with fear, with reverence that should depart from evil, but it is the, as, as it says, the fool rageth, but notice, and is confident. Or is the translation uh, that they have here, the wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. Now, hot-headed and reckless because, again, of pride and arrogance. Pride and arrogance. They go on, another passage here. Uh, Proverbs 21, 2. Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Please note that again, Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. See, if we if we are just left to ourselves, our pride will make us think that everything that our way is right, our way of thinking is right. We have, there's got to be something else outside of ourselves. If, if we don't have something outside of ourselves, we'll, we will always think our way is right. What, what, what we have as Christians is we have God's word and we look to God to ponder the heart. We, have, we look to God to judge the way. We look to God to judge the attitude. But we must look to God openly and honestly and not use our pride to manipulate what God says in his word. Uh, they quote, the, the version they quote does, says it this way. Um, see, that's Proverbs uh, 21 uh, uh, Proverbs 21, 2, uh, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. They quote, uh, well, they only quote part of it. Um, all the man, all the man's ways seems right to him. Then they go to Proverbs 26, 12. Proverbs 26, 12. And we read these words. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is, there is more hope of a fool than of him. That's a powerful verse. Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? If you're wise in your own conceit, if you're wise 
uh, and in your own pride and arrogance. In other words, your wisdom, your understanding is derived from your own pride and conceit. There is more hope for a fool than that person. In other words, there's no hope for that person because they can't, they can't see anything other than their own pride. Their own pride determines how they see everything. Well, then there, you, there's, you can't get through that. Pride becomes like a force field. Adam wouldn't listen. Nobody can touch us. That was their own pride, their own conceit. And then they were brought down and destroyed. The, the translation they use states it this way. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And then they have Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26, which reads, He that trusteth in his own way is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. We read that again. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. If you trust in your own heart, if you trust in your own that that's pride, that's arrogance. You're trusting in your perception. You're trusting in yourself. That's a fool. But I love this. Whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Well, how do we walk wisely? Well, when we walk wisely, we, we are fearing God. See, to walk wisely is to abandon self-reliance. To walk in wisdom is to abandon your understanding, to abandon your thoughts, your feelings, and to turn to something outside of yourself, which for the Christian, it's the word of God. It's the revelation of God. So all the scriptures they've quoted so far is Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 12, 15, Proverbs 14, 16, Proverbs 21, 2, Proverbs 26, 12, and Proverbs 28, 26. Now, I, I would greatly challenge you to write all of those, those down and just read them and think about them and meditate on them. As we really consider, again, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back to Obadiah. I'm going to go back to Obadiah. I'm going to, I'm going to bring my uh, marker over here and mark Proverbs. I'm going to go back to Obadiah and I'm just going to read it again. The pride of thine own heart hath deceived thee. Edom was deceived by the pride of their own heart. And clearly Proverbs carries the same idea, making this applicable to all of us. We can all be deceived by the pride inside our own heart. Now, we haven't even got to the actual study guide yet. Let's see what they have to say here. They ask a question. Is it wrong to trust yourself? Self-reliance does not mean we can't be self-confident, all right? I, I, I think the focus here is not whether we can, can we trust ourselves? I don't think we can ever trust ourselves. I don't think we can ever truly trust ourselves because what is in us? Pride, sin. So I don't think we can ever truly trust ourselves. Being self-confident, like what, what does that look like? I mean, sometimes these phrases, like self-confidence is a phrase very much used within the culture. Is that a biblical, is that a biblical concept? We could have a discussion there. Well, let's see where they're going to go here. Why does Solomon call the man a fool who trusts in his own judgment apart from God? God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. 
The difference is the fool and the the difference in the fool and the wise man is the wise man seeks God's direction for his life. He is patient and he is humble. He never presumes to know the answers without consulting God and his word. Now, that sounds so good, but I think this is a very important principle. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So immediately we realize that we find ourselves just naturally, our natural state, our starting point is always in opposition to God. But, but I want to, I want to remove it from, from that and just make it, try to make it practical. In your everyday life, if you don't stop and truly consider what God's word has to say, what God, what God's directions are, then you will be moving forward, most likely in the deception of pride that's in your heart, where you are going to rely on your own thought, your own way, and your own desire. And I think so much of our conflict in, in our lives is because we are, we are blinded by our own pride. And all we can, we can only see the situation through the lens of our own pride, which then it's, it's, it's all about self, 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 self. Pride is the exaltation of I, right? Pride is the exaltation of I. Pride is the exaltation of self. And, 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 and I think it's so important to realize Christianity is supposed to be the thing that fights against that concept. You're supposed to be dying to self, denying self, not following self. That, that, that goes against the exaltation of I, right? It's the humility is the, is the destruction of self and the exaltation of God. Pride is the exaltation of self and the pushing down of God. Humility is the destruction or bringing down of self and the exaltation of God. God becomes preeminent. God becomes the focus. I think so many, you can almost, I, I, you may disagree with this, but the next time you find yourself getting angry, the next time you find yourself getting upset, the next time you find yourself in an argument, the next time you find yourself in a debate, ask yourself, am I, is this about I? And if it is, okay, push, destroy self, exalt God. Now go back to that conflict. Is it different now? Now here, and I, and I think they're getting re- now. I think they're getting ready to possibly do something problematic here, but you'll you'll see. So they're going to ask some questions here because again, this is like a study devotional guide. Have you ever run ahead of God by making foolish foolish choices without consulting Him in prayer, by seeking godly counsel, and by carefully studying God's Word? What were the results? Now I would just challenge that a lot of times Christians approach things like you pray and then you listen from st- for some still small voice to get some answer. And I, I, I obviously reject that because that becomes now God revealing things outside of the Bible. Here's what I would say. We have a tendency to engage life in a godless way. Listen to what I'm about to say. Not that we are, are, are th- not that we are atheist in a theological sense, but we are practical atheists in the sense that we find ourselves arguing, debating, fighting, doing whatever we're doing, pushing ahead without stopping and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does God's word have to say? What is God's perspective on this? 
Sometimes we don't seek godly counsel. Sometimes we don't actually study God's word in a meaningful way. We just engage in the argument or the debate or whatever the issue is because we are exalting the I. All right. Um, Then they get into this kind of almost a charismatic Holy Spirit leading you kind of thing. I'm going to just push that aside because that goes against my theology in so many different ways here. Um, Okay. Then... They go on to say this, and they have this in completely different type, uh, different color uh, of type. Uh, everything else was kind of a, a nor- your normal color type, and this is in a red. So I guess they really want to emphasize this, and they have this at the top. Pride says, I can do it. Self-confidence and competence are not evidence of pride in our lives. So, so that they seem to be very worried or, or, or concerned. Okay, we're not, we're not trying to go after self-confidence. We're not trying to go after self-confidence. Okay, you have to explain exactly what do you mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by self-confidence? And I understand that they're trying to make sure they don't, they don't go against something that would be reasonable, but I just think that what we want to first and foremost figure out is what's the biblical perspective, right? Well, instead of being so worried, like, wait, here's this thing, we've got to protect this. We got to protect this. Now let's figure out what scriptures are actually trying to say in regards to how pride deceives us. Sorry. So, but let's see what else they have to say here. As believers, we are children adopted into God's family. He gives to his children complete forgiveness unique spiritual gifts to accomplish his purposes. Pride is perverted self-confidence, stealing God's glory and operating apart from his grace and empowerment. Paul warns Galatians, uh, the Galatian Christians, of God's judgment because they began in the spirit and then restored to operating in the flesh. Galatians 3.3. Now, is that is that completely connected here? I will say this that the Galatian Christians, like all of us, started thinking in their own way. They, they, in other words, they started, the pride of their own hearts, started, they started looking at things from their perspective and not a biblical and godly perspective. The Corinthians did this. Over, I mean, this just shows up throughout the Bible where we can see that they are being deceived by the pride of their own hearts. Self-reliant people are frequently presumptuous. Instead of waiting for God's timing, they act without him because of ignorance or arrogance. God may have given us his approval for a project, but instructed us to wait. Now, I got to stop right here. Now, this gets into that very, this kind of thinking now in the study guide starts. So I think the strong point of this study guide is they put together a lot of good verses in Proverbs that I think has been beneficial. Now they're starting to go in a direction that I don't want to sit here and have to argue against. But let me just, I've got to state this. Some people create this very weird view of the Christian life. And it's this view where you constantly like, okay, so what does God want me to do today? All right. I got to pray and wait for a feeling. I got to wait for this kind of leading, this kind of, and it's it's just, you're constantly struggling with, okay, was that God leading me? Wait, was that my own desire leading me? Okay, how do I know when it's God? How, and and, and they, they write all of these little books and little pamphlets trying to tell you how to know, and then nobody really ever knows because 
how can you trust anything that's coming from within you? When you're looking for a feeling or, or hearing a voice inside of you or some kind of push or something inside of you, you can never trust that. It, it becomes a maddening nonsense. No, here's what I know. Whatever my desires or feelings are, I just have to see, uh, is that leading me in something that would be biblical or unbiblical, right? I judge that feeling bi- biblical. I go, and so if I desire to do something, as long as it's not going against scripture, then okay, go do it. I don't have to try to figure out, was that God leading me? Was it not leading me? That's just, that's maddening. And that just becomes trying to interpret the un, uh, something that cannot be interpreted. We have enough, we have, tr- we have enough trouble trying to interpret the Bible, Right, we have enough trouble trying to figure out what the text actually says. Let's not then add to a whole system of hermeneutics trying to interpret. Well, I think that's the Holy Spirit leading me. I I think that's a feeling. I I think, that, man, that's I'm telling you that I've, I've watched too many Christians go down that path, and that just leads to craziness. All right. Um. So okay, none of that is really helpful. Um. All right, so let's go now to this, all right? Uh, Psalm 101.5, Psalm 101.5, Psalm 101.5. Let's see where they take this. I skipped a whole bunch of what they have here because it just gets into this (laughs) not helpful in any way, shape, or form. All right, Psalm 101.5, I think they're going to do a, I don't know. Okay, they're using the Amplified, I think. And they're only quoting part of the verse. Let's quote the whole verse, all right? Here we go. Psalm 101.5. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. All right, so he doesn't, and they quote just the idea, who, who, he who has a haughty look and a proud and arrogant heart, I cannot and I will not tolerate. God hates pride and arrogance. I, I think we've already established that. No question about it. God hates it. All right. They go on to say, God hates pride. Why? Because God created man to give him glory. God longs for an intimate relationship with his children. When a man chooses to steal God's glory for himself, he breaks God's heart. Don't, I don't like that kind of terminology a little bit, kind of turning God, almost humanizing God too much, but okay. He also turns away from a sincere dependence upon his creator. The Hebrew word for haughty means to lift up or mount up. God asks us to prostrate ourselves before him in worship. All right. Uh, uh, and then they, they have Isaiah 14, 12 through 13, which many believe is a reference to Satan. It says, a picture of haughtiness or loftiness is painted in Isaiah 14. The classic Old Testament passage description of Satan in Isaiah 14, 12 through 13. I know there's lots of debate on how to interpret Isaiah 14, 12 through 13, but they have it written this way. Have you, how have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, who was once laid low in the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will rise up my throne above the stars of God. Clearly though, we, we can de- debate all day what's going on in Isaiah 14, but it is a picture of someone saying, I will be greater than God. I will be above God. I will be like God. And whether we may never say those words, but in many cases, our own pride deceives us into operating almost as if we are God, 
because we're going to fight our way. We're going to argue our point. We're going to see things from our perspective. The way seems right in our own eyes. So in a sense, we operate as if we are God, which is the deception of pride. It says such self-exaltation causes us to reflect the character of Satan instead the humble character of Christ. In Philippians 2, we are told though he was in the form of God, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Pride is the very essence of Satan's character. Humility and gentleness is the very essence of Christ's character. All right? And that's the end of the study guide. Now, what can we take from all of this? Here's what we can definitely take. More, not more on what we read here in all of these verses in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. The reason we think our way is right is because of the deception of pride in our hearts. We, we have a tendency to think of everything from our perspective without ever stopping to go, wait a minute, God, what is your way? What is your thoughts? And that's only done through looking to the scriptures. That's not done by looking for some feeling or, or guidance inside. How is the Holy Spirit got, guiding me through my emotions? Stop all of that. That just becomes nonsensical and confusing. Right here, the word of God. How does God tell me to approach this situation? Now, you, so really, this is what you have. I want you to think about this. And, 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 and may, maybe, maybe we should do a, an entire podcast on this, but I, I just want you to really just contemplate this. Is it possible that the greatest obstacle to biblical hermeneutics is the deception of pride in our own individual hearts. Is the, greatest decept- is the greatest obstacle to biblical hermeneutics our own pride, our own arrogance, which deceives us into thinking our way is right. It deceives us in thinking our own interpretation is right and thinking that we, we have it all figured out. Because we are, we're imposing our own prideful deception upon the text. What we have to be willing to do is go to the text and let the text speak. And then hopefully that can expose our own, the deception that has arisen inside of us because of our own pride. Think of it, think of it this way. The first step, think of it this way. The first step in biblical hermeneutics is the destruction of self, and the exaltation of God. You cannot even begin to approach the text of Scripture in any meaningful way until you stop exalting the I, you destroy the I, and you you then exalt God. Pride must be destroyed before biblical hermeneutics can occur because pride will deceive you. You'll be deceived by your own way. And I think so many times we approach life through, not through the lens of Scripture, not through, through an interpretation of Scripture. We approach th- life through the lens of I. Not through that, the lens of our eyes, but the lens of the letter I, self. We so exalt self, so we argue, we fight, we debate, we, we do, and we're deceived by our own selves. And then God's word has to come along like it does in Obadiah to the Edomites, to, to Edom. Hey, 
You, you're deceived by the pride of your own heart. You think you cannot be touched, but let me tell you, you are going to be brought down. You are going to be destroyed. And it happened exactly as God said. They, they, from their perspective, they could only see reality through the lens of I. They couldn't understand it. We, we, we see, we see every argument through the lens of self through the lens of I. We see every debate through the lens of I. We see every issue through the lens of I. That has to be destroyed. God has to be exalted so that we can see things through the lens of God. So we can't even approach biblical hermeneutics until we destroy pride, until the destruction of I and the exaltation of God. Then we can approach the text. Then as we approach the text, we have to be on the lookout for the the greatest obstacle to biblical hermeneutics, which is, again, pride, the deception of pride. Now, once we can get to actually studying the text and we can interpret the text, then we have to look at every situation through the lens of Scripture. We have to then impose Scripture as the lens in which we see everything. So when we get ready to get into an argument or a debate, we stop and go, How would scripture tell me to think about this? How would scripture tell me to approach this argument with my husband or my wife or my kids or my boss or my coworker or my neighbor or the church or whatever the case may be? The deception of pride. We've just kind of scratched the surface here. We, we've we've kind of just scratched. We, we've just kind of barely scratched the surface here. I, I I'm oh. There's so much. There's so much here. I, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop. I, I hope I've kind of I've, I've I've set the table, right? I hopefully I've set the table, and now I'm inviting you to sit down at the table and really just just feed upon this. Think about it. I, I, want, I want people to discuss it. Email me all of your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Or if you're a part of the Theology Central Discord uh, group, talk, chat, chat away. Just start throwing out your concepts. If you want to be a part of that discussion group, all you have to do is email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I'll send you a link. You just download the Discord uh, uh, app that's free and then well you just join the theology central channel and well then then you can be a part of it the goal there is not to debate and argue as much as it is to, to discuss to to encourage exhort one another um and especially in like in subjects like this to flesh these things out and uh there you go oh and i i want to oh i almost forgot i got to give the the even though i kind of abandon most of what the author did and their study guide. I kind of abandoned it. Really, all I really used is the scriptures they quoted, uh, but they did a good job there. This was written by, I have no idea who this was written by. There is no name here. It comes from uh, preach it, preach it, teach it.org. That's all run together. Preach it, teach it.org. I have no idea who the author is. I would love to give them credit. See if I can go back here. Um, I have no clue. When I go to it, it just becomes a PDF file. 
So I have no clue who wrote it, but whoever did, uh, I, I just, I'd like, I don't like to, I, I like to just make sure, you know, I use lots of resources. And I like the people to at least know the resources there. Most of their, a lot of their discussion there really gets into kind of that more of that charismatic, like you, so the Holy Spirit's leading you, but if the Holy Spirit's leading you, don't let, you know, pray, you know, you got to follow that leading. And I'm like, how in the world, like I'm, I'm following the leading of something inside of me, but you're also acknowledging that that inside of me is pride where the deception arises. If the deception is arising from within me, and then I've also got to try to figure out the feeling inside of me that's trying to lead me away from my pride. You see how, so when is it me? When is it God? That just becomes, it just becomes a meaningless, it, it sounds so super spiritual, but it, it really cannot even be interpreted. I've got enough problems trying to interpret right here the word of God. And I think that the whole re this is so important to me. I know I'm, I know I said I was going to end and now I'm adding something to this. I think it's so important. The reason God's word is so essential is because it's outside of me. See, it's outside of me. It's external to me. So, so now all I've got to do is set aside. I, I gotta, that's why I said that biblical hermeneutic starts with really the destruction of I and the exaltation of God. I got to get rid of me Get rid of my own because the greatest obstacle to biblical hermeneutics is the, is the deception of my, of pride that's inside of me. But if I can set all of those things aside, then I have a, a text right here and I don't look for a feeling. I don't look for an emotion. I look for words, the definition of words, the words put together in sentences and chapters and books. And like I use those basic rules of hermeneutics and interpretation outside of me. That's the one thing I love about it is it's outside of me. Anything that comes from within me is convoluted, confused, and tainted by sin because of the sinful nature that arises from within me. Christians who try to figure out, oh, the Holy Spirit's leading me this or T. You know, it's you probably leading yourself. And and, and guess what? You're going to even be more self-deluded. You're going to be more prone to the deception of the pride that's in your heart. There you go. All right. I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Hopefully this was beneficial. I hope it was. I know it was, okay, I'm just going to stop right there. Now, now I feel like I feel like I didn't do a, I, I just feel like there's so much here that I didn't do a good enough job, but here's the good thing. I can put this forth now and then we can come back and talk about it over and over and over and over and over. So I don't have to be, get everything perfect in one the whole goal is to get you involved in this, not just to say, here's the way it is, but to say, let's consider this because I think we're all, look, the one thing I know is true, every single person who hears this, whether you're listening live or you listen later, you got pride in your heart and I got pride in mine and it deceives us. That's something we need to talk about. All right, I'll stop right there. For those who may be listening live, I'll be back on the air here shortly. God bless.